speak. His laughter, on the other hand, often burst out immoderately, distorting the intelligent and strongly marked features. The huge head would swell, the face would become broader still, and the whole effect was not seldom that of a grinning caricature. Fortunately, it always passed quickly. The chin had a longish cleft in the middle and on both sides, which gave it the shape of a muscle shell and a special peculiarity of its own. Another marvelous description of Beethoven of both appearance and personal attitude comes to us from one Frau von Bernhard, who had come to Vienna to study piano in the late 1790s. And now I quote Frau von Bernhard. When he, Beethoven, came to us, he used to stick his head in the door to make sure there was no one in the room that he disliked. He was small and plain-looking with an ugly red pockmarked face. His hair was quite dark and hung shaggily around his face. His clothes were very commonplace. Moreover, he spoke in a strong dialect and in a rather common manner. Oh, please remember that uh, Frau von Bernhard is in Vienna and is acting like a Viennese. That means a snob. Beethoven is from the other side of the Rhine, that strange and barbaric Germania. Um, for the Viennese to think about someone from Bonn would be like a Florentine thinking about a Sicilian, the way a Parisian might think about a French Canadian, the way a New Yorker would think about someone from Cleveland. Oh, kind of from the sticks. In general, his whole being did not give the impression of any particular cultivation. In fact, he was unmannerly in both gesture and demeanor. He was incredibly haughty. I myself have seen the mother of Princess Lishnowsky, the Countess Thun, go down on her knees before Beethoven as he lolled on the sofa, begging him to play something at the piano. But Beethoven would not. Countess Thun was, however, a very eccentric woman. Yes, I would say so. I was frequently invited to the Lishnowskis in order to play there. He was a friendly and distinguished gentleman, and she a very, very beautiful woman. I still remember clearly both Haydn and Salieri sitting on a sofa on one side of the small music room, both carefully dressed in the old-fashioned way with bag wig and silk hose and shoes, whereas even here Beethoven would come dressed in the informal fashion of the other side of the Rhine, really, really, almost ill-dressed." Well, excuse us, Frau von Bernhard, but thank you for that marvelous description of someone from a place rather less civilized and perhaps less concerned with the outward appearances than the Viennese themselves were famous for. Beethoven was physically clumsy. He was liable to knock over or break anything within reach. He was uncoordinated. He apparently never learned to dance and always cut himself while shaving, which is one reason why he let his beard grow to immoderate length, I think, to spare himself the blood loss. He had big problems cutting the quill pens he needed for copying in ink, and apparently he was incapable of sharpening a pencil without breaking it. So as a result for his sketching, which he did in pencil, he had to buy these extremely thick gauge pencils from a carpentry supply store, and that's one reason why when we look at Beethoven's sketchbooks, the smear of pencil lead would seem to be even greater than the visible portion of paper underneath it. Now, before I go on with a couple of more descriptions, I want to make a point clear, because some of you might be thinking, oh my goodness, he's maligning a poor, unfortunate dead person, and not just any dead person, one of these great dead German people, Beethoven after all. Look, it's going to be very important for us in the limited time we have together for us to understand Beethoven, the person, the man, the whole package 
as opposed to Beethoven the myth. Please, my friends, myths do not write music. People write music. And while we worship myths, we understand and we often empathize with people. We must approach Beethoven's music, these extraordinary nine symphonies, as the product, as the experience of a fellow human being. In doing so, we will be able to embrace these works. We will be able to consume them. We can press them to our collective bosoms. We can resonate with them. We can understand them. We can understand Beethoven's experience. We can become one with Beethoven through his music. So, no myth-making here. We've got to deal with a person who is a composer. Now, we're surrounded by imagery that reinforces this idea of Beethoven, the myth. Those of you in the studio and those of you watching on video, but I'll describe for the audio listeners, on the set, I am surrounded by...